Hi, this is Alan Kinney. I nerd out about learning, design, philosophy, and technology. Today, I'm interviewing Dash J. Thury. Who are you, what do you do, uh, and how did you get into corporate education? Awesome. Hey, Alan, it's great to see you. So uh, let me dive into that. So who am I? Hi, everyone. I'm Dashne Jayathuri, and everyone calls me Dash. Um, and I am the Senior Director of Development and Employee Experience at Upstart, which is a fintech company, um, and I'm based in the Bay Area. So how how did I get into the corporate training space is a great question. I would say it was a long and circuitous path. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I think I think you might hear that a lot, that it's not always a, a linear a linear path to the roles that we have. But I am an English PhD dropout. Went to college and was so sure that I was going to be um, an English professor and right out of college went into a PhD program in English and gender studies at the University of Michigan and three and a half or four years into it realized, oh, this is not the life path for me. Um, <laughs> What made you uh, come to that realization? I'm curious. Gosh, there is a very singular moment, Alan, that I remember, which is I was sitting in a Panera Bread on State <laughs> Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and um, I was working on a chapter of my dissertation, and it wasn't going great. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with it, and um, someone who was on my dissertation committee, a professor, um, walked in, and she said, hey, how's your writing going? And I said, uh, on the struggle bus and she said don't worry you will have years to revise this oh my goodness <laughs> and, and I know for some of my colleagues in the PhD program that would have been such a, a relief to hear that and for me it just sent you know a, a shiver down my spine and that was the moment that I realized this is not the path um, for me well, I'm glad you ended up where you were. Otherwise, I wouldn't have met you. So that's uh, it worked out well for me. But <laughs> um, and um, and so you know when that happened, I um, by happenstance, I was based in Ann Arbor, and um, I knew you know I needed to eat, and so I needed a job if I left graduate school, and so I applied to one of the key employers in Ann Arbor, which was Google. Um, and that is how I, I landed my my job, my first job in tech. Um, and it was in the customer operations org um, of Google at the time. Um, and my first job was answering phones five hours a day, uh, talking to our small and medium uh, business owners who are using the Google AdWords uh, advertising platform. Nice. Well, I got to start somewhere, right? What, what bridged you over into uh, the learning side of things? I, um, you know, one of the things that I realized is that the reason I had wanted to be a professor was I actually really do love teaching um, and facilitating conversations. And once I got to Google, I was like, gosh, is there a way that I could do that here? And so I started raising my hand for opportunities that involved, you know, facilitating onboarding within the operation space, things like that. And I, I realized that where I was really passionate, it wasn't just about teaching someone how to do the technical skills of a job, which was certainly some of the things that I, I started out with, but 
I realized I really loved helping people um, figure out how to develop skills that were just good for them to have, regardless of the job they had at Google. And so I, I slowly sort of moseyed my way to Google's people development team um, and took a few years to get there. And then once I got there, I realized, yes, this is the kind of work that I want to be I want to be doing. And so that was my very long foray into corporate education. Yeah, I love that. The the mosey into learning and development. It works for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit more about like your your passion for learning here. What like is there any particular learning experience that you felt was just like your favorite of all time or really like got you into thinking, gosh, learning and development's for me? Yeah, it's funny. It didn't happen in the corporate environment. Um, It actually happened when I was in college. So I'm originally from Malaysia, moved to the U.S. for college, and I went to Carleton College in Minnesota. And an English major, but being a a good liberal arts college, there was expectations that you take classes in a variety of disciplines. And I took this... um, much subscribed history class taught by Professor Bill North called Byzantine history. I know it's weird saying this Byzantine (laughs) history class is like very oversubscribed, but it was. And one of my favorite learning experiences was at the end of the trimester, Bill asked um, each student in the class to inhabit a character from that particular time in history. And we were all going to attend sort of this, imagine a Byzantine history model UN. Um, Oh, fun. So so we were all going to attend this and we were going to represent our interests. And he had given us each a character, what our concerns or interests or allies might be. And we had to represent that in this forum. And um, Carlton has a really beautiful um, chapel space. Um, and so we used that space for this um, this forum and he encouraged us to dress up. Um, oh, fun. <laughs> so it, you truly inhabited uh, the character and um, it was a great learning experience because it really took something like Byzantine history, which felt tr- very distant to yeah. uh, you know, 18 year old college student, and it made it come alive. And you were brought back to this time where at the end of the day, all these figures in history were just people with interests, uh, and trying to advance their their own political interests and motivation. So it was very cool. So shout out to Bill North. That sounds amazing. I'm, I'm a little jealous. That sounds like something I would sign up for, for sure. But what uh, have what, if anything, have you pulled from that to bring into your own practices in learning development now? Like, I'm curious, like, have you been able, obviously no big cathedrals or anything like that, but like <laughs> any any bits that you would pull out? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think there is great, I, you know, this is this is not new or revelatory by any means, but I think there's a lot of value in asking participants in whatever a learning program might be to inhabit the character or the role of anything that you are trying to teach them to do. And whether that's as simple as asking people to practice role-playing a particular, you know, if you're trying to train managers on how to give feedback, there's value in asking a manager, okay, you pretend to be a 
a, a, an employee who's getting feedback from someone, how does it land when you say something a particular way? So I think that piece around having people inhabit the spaces of, of whatever you're trying to teach them, I think that's super important. And so I try to do that when I'm thinking about uh, my own uh, learning practice. Beautiful. I love that. It's it's that embodied cognition that like you can yes. only get by doing the thing. That's beautiful. So I'm, I'm curious, like, so shifting gears from that, the favorite one you went to, would you say that there is an L&D project that you were most proud of that you've done in the past? Yeah, um, I had. And I think part of the reason I, I'm proud of it, too, is I got to work with an incredible manager and leader um, on it. So this was during my time at Alphabet, and I was working specifically at Waymo, and I had an amazing manager, Anna Davda. I don't know, Alan, if you two have uh, crossed paths before. Very briefly, yes. I've met her once. <laughs> she's yeah, great, though. She's incredible. Um, and the the project that we were working on, it was a really interesting one. We were building out manager, people manager expectations for the Waymo manager population. And it was certainly not Anna's first foray into that kind of work, but it was mine. And mm -hmm. it was really cool to get the opportunity to one craft what those manager expectations were and to go from, um, you know, when I started out, you know, I was so tempted, let's, let's talk to all the stakeholders, we're going to put together 15 mm -hmm. bullets of what a great manager looks like, and then being reminded that when you're trying to teach something, no one's going to be able to remember 15 bullets, what you right. need is something pithy and short, but meaningful, which is actually really hard to write. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's why they pay us the big bucks, right? And so that was a, a really great learning for me, working on that, getting buy-in from, you know, the manager population, um, individual contributors to understand, like, does this feel meaningful to you to know your, that your manager is held to these standards? Are these the right standards? from your perspective. So that was a really cool experience. And then once we had solidified or codified what the manager expectations were, then thinking about how do you take it from living on a pretty slide that you presented in all hands to then being part of a, a manager's day-to-day, -day, part of equipping them to have the capabilities that, you know, we want them to aspire to. And so I got to build out the onboarding curriculum that basically focused on each of the, I think we landed on five manager expectations. Mm -hmm. And so working on the manager onboarding program and thinking about how do we make this the best use of someone's time? And at the same time, giving them the opportunity to practice what we were asking them to aspire to. And then thinking about all the different moments in the ecosystem where we could connect the manager expectations back. So it wasn't just living in a silo. Um, so sure. I think that's that's a project that I'm really proud of, in part of because of just all the learning I experienced uh, working on that and learning from Anna too. I got to ask, how did it land with the managers? Was there, uh, like, I'm assuming you did like surveys and things like that, but like individually, how did they feel about it? You know, at first, at first blush, I will share that. I think when we shared it, there was, folks were like, okay. So, <laughs> it's It's very hard, I think, to share controversial 
manager expectations it, because in general what you're asking people to do your manager population is going to agree like yes i should motivate someone yes i should coach someone but i think where we really saw value is once we got managers in the room when it came to for example onboarding them on these new expectations that's when we the most exciting work happened which is where they raised questions about gosh, this is kind of hard to do in this particular environment. How do we do this? How do we all, you know, fly in the same direction? How do we think holistically about the company um, as opposed to just our own team? And so I think it really landed with the managers once we were actually grappling with the the tricky and nuanced parts of it. And so I, I am not at Waymo any longer, but I, I'm, you know, I will certainly, you know, one of these days when I catch up with Anne, I would love to hear how it's continued to hopefully live out uh, with the manager population. That's fun. I, I always love checking back in on old learning programs. It's surprising how many, like, how many live on? Like there are learning programs I made 10 years ago that still stuck around. Uh, oh, that's amazing. It's, it's surprising. Yeah, it, it's wild how that works. Quick break to remind you that if you hear anything interesting today, please pause the show and write it down. Alternatively, check out back episodes at alan.substack.com. Now back to the show. Specifically, when we're recording this here, ChatGPT, or at least its current version, uh, 3.5 or 4, if you've paid the $20 uh, subscription fee. Um, <laughs> Those, those have been out for, for a few months now. And I'm curious, like, what's your perspective? Where do you see L&D going in the next three to five years? It's That's a really great question, Alan. And I think it's a really exciting time. I know people have different, I think there's mixed feelings about this when it, with the L&D community. Um, I was actually attending a webinar the other day about this um, because I do think, you know, folks get nervous, right? Um, when we're touting the amazingness of chat GPT to deliver XYZ, I think people get nervous about their jobs. And um, maybe, I, I don't know if I'm mistaken or naive, but I'm not. Um, I'm actually really excited about the opportunity for a couple of different reasons. I think one of the powerful things that um, generative AI is going to be able to do for us is, I think it's going to take some of the early drudgery of L&D work out of the way. Um, yeah. So I'll think about, you know, gosh, Alan, you know this, the first couple of drafts that we do that, you know, ends up usually on the editing room floor. Um, we spend a lot of hours on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I think um, having something like generative AI can produce an early draft for us to react to, for stakeholders to react to um, early on. And, and, and it's just much faster. So I suspect it's going to speed up the cycle time for the work that L&D uh, practitioners have. So I'm really excited about that. One of the things that I heard on the webinar that I attended was, you know, some folks are experimenting with the possibility of using this as, you know, having... Um, a generative AI function as TAs on, oh, nice. yeah. on, on courses. So mm -hmm. sort of having a bank of commonly asked questions and just responding to participants as it comes through. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty neat. And that is a lot more in keeping with, you know, wanting to do just in time learning. You know, we've built FAQ docs that maybe no one opened. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and um, I imagine something like this is truly just in time when someone does have that frequently asked question, 
They don't need me to answer it if we can have a TA in place to answer that. And, and so I, I'm excited about it. And I think, I think where practitioners will come into play is what are we prompting the generative AI to produce for us? The sharper, the prompt, the more precise, and then taking what it it provides us and then giving it the nuance, right, um, that is needed. I, I, you know, I would say that I think the L&D practitioners, what we are bringing is a knowledge of the ecosystem in mm. which this work has to live. Um, yeah. And there will be a point where, you know, chat GPT probably will be able to grasp that ecosystem too. But for now, I think we are the practitioners who are uh, who are giving that nuance, that flavor that makes it feel that, hey, this content is built for me. This content is built for my company. And I think that's the big role that, that we're playing for now, at least. And that's going to evolve as something like generative AI evolves. And I'm super stoked to, to see see how things go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a that's a great point and well said too. I think that right now we're in an age where there's a ton of content, so much content that learners have no idea where to go next. And you're right, it's it's that context without any kind of context around like how we do things in our particular company or what our own rules, et cetera, are. A lot of that content is kind of wasted. So I think you made a really good point there. I, I was really curious about what was the last thing uh, that you had learned intentionally, and how did that go? Outside of my day job, I'm also a parent to a six-year-old, oh. and um, which you know is a constant uh, exercise in learning and development for all parties involved. In terms of what I've learned, in uh, you know, the last thing I learned intentionally, I would say a lot of it is parenting and by this and and you know i I'll, I'll mention my my husband here as well he has a very different way of approaching um learning about parenting which is he is very i'm going to get the books i'm going to read it i'm going to underline take notes and i'm more of someone who enjoys learning in community mm, and yeah. so i have very actively and i'm very intentional about this I have cultivated a community of parents who have, I think, a really diverse set of perspectives and life experiences that um, I want to learn from. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, I certainly, I mean, it's that's the thing that I learned the most intentionally, which is whenever there is a new question or milestone that we're trying to figure out, it's not like, asking a question out into the ether and seeing what comes back. But, right. you know, these are folks who I know care very deeply about parenting good humans and raising good humans. And so I reach out to this group with, a, you know, gosh, a range of questions. And then I get lots of different feedback that's been very helpful to me as a, a parent in learning, a learning parent. <laughs> You know, one thing that I, you know, tried to learn recently is, um, you know, my daughter is in kindergarten and she is participating in, you know, these little contests at school, like the little science fair. And one of the things that we're trying to think about is how do we teach her to aspire for excellence and know that sometimes even when you work really hard and you aspire for excellence, you're not going to get the blue ribbon because there was someone better. That's and a good that, lesson. 
it's, you know, we've all experienced that. We worked really hard on something and, and you know, you don't get the blue ribbon. And that's that's a hard thing. And I don't know how to teach her that. And so I've been reaching out to folks in this community to, to, to ask them, what what are you doing? Like, how do you how do you not focus it so much on the reward being winning? Because that's not always going to be there. So that is the last thing that I, I would say I've intentionally tried to learn. And it's it's a constant for me with the, the parenting journey. That's amazing. I, I can only echo your thoughts. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I, I didn't do these drawings myself, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's great that you take that uh, that step. I'm I'm very much more like your husband. I'm the book nerd reading all the different things, but my, my spouse does the same thing. She has a community and I know from like a learning and development standpoint, that's great. Social learning is actually very important, higher yeah. in context for sure, right? It's uh, as far yes. as like being able to communicate and get feedback and all that other stuff. I really admire the the approach that you took on that, a very intentional way you're thinking about these things. I might have to uh, steal a page from your book or maybe uh, <laughs> or maybe contact you myself. I need to build my own community for uh, for parenting for sure. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a long journey, so you gotta gotta have some fellow travelers on that journey. <laughs> Well, yeah, for sure. And like uh, parents, we all go through a lot of stuff together. And I think that's one of those things that it's hard to communicate to non-parents. Uh, like I think even from like a, you know, not only social, but emotional standpoint, there's a yes. lot of emotion that goes into that particular style of training. I was, uh, my four-year-old has a, uh, we're, we just have a training wheel bike for him. And he was moving from the Strider bike to the training wheel bike. And there was a great deal of emotion behind that. Now, like as a technical training person, I totally know all the steps, how to get him onto that other bike, but from an emotional standpoint, that's where you have to meet your kids where they're at. You know, you can't just like force down a curriculum or whatever. It's not adult training for sure. It's not, it's not adult, <laughs> no, it's not adult learning. It's a different, it's a different ball game. I want to thank you for taking the time out with me today. I've, I've gotten a lot of value out of this conversation. I hope you have as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been beautiful just catching up and, and chit-chatting about L&D. Great. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate uh, tuning into these um, conversations and just learning from different practitioners in the space. But So thanks for doing this. Absolutely. My pleasure.